Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Break Room Banter. It's a hairstylist adjacent podcast where each week two friends who happen to be hairstylists break down our weeks in the break room. I'm your host, Hunter Walden, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Anna Schrader. And today we're super excited to have our good friend, Amber, with us. And Amber is a salon owner. She is a mother of two beautiful humans, a also an educator. She's a style icon. Just go to her, her wonderful. <laughs> go to her Instagram, Instagram page. He always has super cute outfits on. She is um, Premier Beauty um, Supply Educator of the Month. And she's just an all around super cheerful, happy. She has a wonderful attitude. We, we love Amber and we're super excited to have her on our episode we know you guys are gonna love her too welcome amber Woo! Oh, thank you guys oh my gosh i love you both so much it is so exciting and fabulous that you guys are having me on the podcast i am so grateful for both of you you've both been so instrumental in my um my path as far as an educator and just as a human as well so i love you both no. <laughs> well, Amber, I as a friend of the pod, you know that we start each episode off with our rose and thorn. So I think Anna went last week. So I'll go this week. I'll go first and we'll just go around the room. <laughs> so my rose is that I got so much done today. I got my whole house clean. It has been two weeks of not having a clean house or knowing where any of my clean clothes are and now they are finally clean that is my rose um and my thorn is that i had a really big booking mix-up where a color correction that i should have been booked easily four hours for was just not booked like on my books at all um, she had her her appointment card that said that she had an appointment at that time. <sighs> it was I had like four other appointments <laughs> where she should have been. So that was my uh, thorn. I have to work a little extra hard this week. How did that happen? I have no clue. I have no clue. Oh, but I, and that happens. That's happened a couple times in our salon, and it's always like. It's a huge panic. And in that case, it's like clearly there was a mistake. Mm-hmm. Well, I was the receptionist came to me and told me what was going on. And I like started to sweat a little bit, you know, and I was oh. like, it's fine. I'll make it work. And then I went and looked at my books and I was like, there's no way I can make this work. There is. I will not do a good job. So I will come in on my day off and I will do your hair. Oh, that was my next question. Like, how did the how did the guest handle handle that? she's just a gem honestly like she for if for anyone to that for that to have happened to I'm glad it was her because she is just so kind she was so understanding she was like it's not your fault it's not your fault Mm -hmm. and I was like yeah but it kind of (laughs) is yeah and it's hard because you don't know sometimes it's hard to trace it back and figure out how it happened yeah so it is what it is, and it's going to work out now, but mm-hmm. it sucked in the moment, so that was my thorn. Oh, we had one of those um, a couple weeks ago, and the only thing is, is I know we never made her an appointment. She walked in, and she's like, I'm here for my appointment, and 
she didn't have a confirmation text. There's no way I would have booked her in that spot. And so, but you know, the customer is always right. So is she though? Well, we, we, it was just like, we had to apologize and say, we're so sorry for the mix up. Here's the next time you can get you in. We didn't, no one came in on their day off for that, but we did book her an appointment as soon as we could, but it was frustrating because I know she did not have an appointment. She, her, her name and number was not even in the computer. Yeah. No so, way. Yeah. There, <laughs> there's absolutely no way that she, we would have like made an appointment without her name and her number. So <laughs> she was like, I know I had one today. And so we're like, oh, well, we're so sorry for the mix up, but yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, well, that's annoying Hunter, but, um, I know you're going to make it right and it'll be She's good. going to have beautiful hair, just yeah. not on the day she thought. Uh, how about you amber do you have time to think of a rose and a thorn i actually did um you know today is the 18th and i don't know about you guys but today was tax day and so i think that my rose for the week is that i am very grateful that i have people in place of my business that keep me in check and keep me accountable so that I am very comfortable with the amount of money that I might possibly owe to the IRS and that I have set aside those funds. And so my rose is that I have the money to pay my taxes. I got them sent off and all is well in the world. But my thorn is that it's tax day. (laughs) (laughs) They always go together so well. Yeah, I know, right? I'm like, everyone's flesh it's just one of those everyone hates it horrible right it's It's nice to have people that can help you with it though for sure yeah i mean like it's been a you know it's been a few years where i've been keeping track of my own books and you know i have accountants and stuff that help me along the way but it's just it's it's nice to not be surprised at the end of the year I I bet surprises are never fun, especially whenever they are coming out of your pocketbook. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Anna? Um, this week, let's see. I got to go snowboarding one more time. Hopefully, maybe there'll be another day. The hills are closed, so we just kind of did the whole hike up. It's like, illegal. <laughs> I don't think it's illegal. Um, but and then I got to go skiing today I went on a hike and I was outside in nature for a good part of the day and got to see some nice waterfalls and breathe some fresh air so that definitely was um a huge rose and my thorn I guess I'm just so ready for summer I mean I (laughs) I thought we were gonna get it but then we had a huge snowstorm and it's just like slush city and um yeah so that's my thorn (laughs) i'm just really sick of it and i'm still taking my vitamin d pills and i just want to be in the actual sun so yeah anna i think that we're getting that snowstorm tonight and i actually woke up this morning and the ground was white i'm just outside of chicago so i was like come on for real it is like almost may 
Oh, then I won't tell you guys how the weather is here today. Yeah. Um, Hunter, you sent me a Snapchat of you like spring vibes, just driving along, and people are like outside biking and there's in shorts. Mm hmm. Yeah, and your garden looks really cute. So congratulations on that. (laughs) Oh, well, um, we are here. I'm really excited to talk and like tap into your knowledge, Amber, and start hearing about your journey as a hairstylist. So how long have you been in the industry? Um, I think last month. So March would have made 24 years. Okay. Wow, that's amazing. So a minute. Just a minute. Just a second. Yeah. Yeah. She may she may know what she's talking about. Right. So she will talk with authority and she has it because she's been in it for a long time. Um, how did it all begin for you? Like what was it that lit this the the spark? Or so when I was in high school, I had the like college career counselor come and like they did interviews with all of the students and at the time my college slash career counselor was like looking at my grades looking at where I was achieving you know the most and it was math and science and so she was like well you know you could get into engineering you could do accounting um and the thought of working a corporate job and having to wear pantyhose was like <laughs> a death sentence to me. Like, I don't want to wear a, a suit and pantyhose. So what other options do I have? And she's like, hmm, well, you know, you are really involved in the arts. Like, have you ever thought about cosmetology? And I'm like, at the time, you know, I'm 17 years old. I'm like, no, I think that's where dropouts go. Dropouts go to cosmetology school. They don't go to like create a career. And she That's said, exactly I really, what I thought. right. She was like, I really am going to strongly encourage you to go to a cosmetology school, take a tour and just see what it's about. You're really strong at math and science. You do like the arts. I just think it would be a good melt of all of the things together. So I took her advice and I went to a cosmetology school and you know, like everybody has their little mannequin heads out and I'm like, oh my God, like really? <laughs> This is where this broad sent me. Like, I am way smarter than this. And um, so I'm talking to one of the instructors and I'm asking her about the curriculum. And she brings out the My Lady, like, four inch thick textbook. And so I, like, start flipping through the textbook and I'm like, huh, like, anatomy and bacteriology and chemistry. And I'm like, oh, I'm like kind of liking these subjects. And so she was like, why don't you take that book home for the weekend and just look through it and see if this is something that you would be interested in. And so I took the book home over the weekend and I'm, you know, looking through everything and I'm like, this is really cool. Like the amount of deep dive information that you can get out of a cosmetology book is pretty incredible. So that's kind of how it all started. Awesome. I wish I still had my cosmetology textbook. How did you get rid of that? Why would you? I didn't get rid of it. So what had happened was um, I was living with one of my like, uh, what do you call those friends that you went to school with? Peers. Peers. Yeah, I was living with one. 
of my peers and she was studying for the exam and she had lost hers. So I let her borrow mine because I'm such a great note taker. I take notes on everything. And it was all in my textbook. And so I was like, here, you know, I've already passed the test. These are really good notes. They helped me. And then she took took the book and she got into a car accident. And the book was in her car. And I, here's the thing. I went and picked her up and helped her clean out her car. And she was like, oh, everything else in the car, it can just stay there. Like it was literally done for. They were about to like crush it. I didn't even think, oh, your cosmetology textbook is in there because I just graduated cosmetology school and I wasn't being nostalgic. But now I really (laughs) wish that I had all of it with all my notes and highlighted. I was not expecting that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) that's so sad um wow well um i'm sorry hunter hey but it's okay. yeah that it's sucks okay. it's it's really okay it's not that big of a deal <laughs> but no. i, I mean to be I fair had it i don't have mine either i mean oh. no and it's like years. wait am i the only nostalgic one I no, still I don't not, have my book either. I haven't looked at it. You don't feel bad because I really haven't looked at it since school. So, right. Yeah. So it's okay. I'm sure my um, mom has one from like this '80s. That would be interesting. That was probably the one that I had. The the green <laughs> milady and the red milady. I don't remember. I remember them. That's true. We um, had a point in our school. You had pivot point. I did too. Okay. My mom actually taught cosmetology. And so that's, she taught with the Milady curriculum. And then I took cosmetology with pivot point. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So (laughs) what did you do right out of high school? Did you automatically go into booth renting or were you like. (laughs) No. No, that's what they tell the kids nowadays. They tell them to build up a clientele in school and immediately go rent a booth. That's amazing. Like, kudos. Um, That is not the path I went. It's funny because when I was in cosmetology school, I remember we had a present, like a presenter come in and they were telling us like, oh, you're going to make six figures a year and blah, blah, blah. And like hyped us all up. And I'm like, oh my God, I made the right choice. And then my very first job out of cosmetology school was assisting. And I, yep. And I assisted. I think that that was the foundation of why I am where I am today is Mm -hmm. that I assisted for like six to eight months before I started getting commission before I started taking clients. And I think that having such a strong foundation and grounding of not only the practice of doing hairdressing, but also the business of doing hairdressing, I, it set, that set me up for success. Mm-hmm. And the business part of hairdressing is a lot, like people don't realize how business forward being a hairdresser is, especially if you're being independent. For sure. I mean, I think that the business aspect, it's kind of like being an artist. You can be an incredible artist 
but if you don't have a business backing, your art's not really going to sell. Like you have to have an understanding of business in order to thrive, in order to make your art, you know, marketable. Mm-hmm. So I think that they do go hand in hand. And I don't know if a lot of people, if that really gets pushed, right. the business side of it. And you do such a great job of marketing yourself and making it not sound pushy when you're actually selling something. Yeah, I mean, I think that first and foremost, your authenticity speaks volumes. So if you're a salesperson, people are going to know that you're a salesperson. If you authentically believe in what you have to offer, people pick up on that. And I think that most people, especially now, want that authenticity. They want that connection with somebody who's real. There's so much fake that it's like, it's nice every once in a while to to meet somebody who's just going to be like unapologetically themselves. And that is you to a T. Let me tell you. It gets me in trouble sometimes. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I mean, the, the, the first thing that pops into my mind of Amber being authentically Amber is pulling that wig off of the rail. <laughs> no F's given. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Woo! Yeah. I mean, you know, like we get one shot at this life. We just have to enjoy it and have fun and be silly sometimes. And like, it doesn't always have to be just so rigid. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can be a dork. And I am totally a dork. So I own it. And we love it. We love it. I feel yeah. like I can be more dorky around you. Oh, like, I, I feel love like, that. honestly, like, I feel like whenever anyone is around you, I feel like you ju- we just open up and we're just so ourselves because that's who you are and you make other people feel comfortable being themselves around you. Well, thank you. I Aww. strive to do that. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, Amber, after doing assisting, walk us through kind of the path, your career path in the last 20 years. What, like, you've you've done it all. So um, we're excited to hear kind of that process and the steps that you took to grow. For sure. Okay, so I have actually worked and been licensed in three different states. So I feel like I've always felt like I am a professional new kid. Like I'm really great at the initial like whatever introduction. It's the like staying in one place for a long amount of time that throws me off. So I assisted at a salon. I'm a Scorpio. Okay. I was like, that's very Sagittarius behavior. But I'm a nice Scorpio. Okay. I believe believe we get a bad rap. You do. You do. We do. We are passionate, though, and I think that that also gets me into trouble sometimes. But hey, we'll it also got you where you days. are. It did. It did. So. And again, those circles back to that being unapologetically um, authentic. So it is what it is. Take it or leave it. Right. Sorry so, for interrupting. No, it's fine. So I um, I started assisting in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I worked at a salon in downtown Tulsa for. I want to say like two and a half years and talking about taxes because this comes all it's this is all making sense is I was working at a salon and I was assisting and they were writing me a check every week and I was young I was barely 18 and they had never asked me for any documentation 
or like my driver's license. I never filled out a W like nine form or any of that stuff. And so I'm working there and I'm, they're cutting me a check every week for my hourly pay assisting. And then I go to commission and now they're cutting me a check every week for my commission. And it was like two years in and I finally went to the owner and I'm like, am I supposed to get like a W-2 or something? Like I haven't gotten a W-2 since I've worked here. And they were like, well, no, you have to do your own taxes. And this is the very first salon I ever worked at as a little baby hairdresser. And I'm like, how am I well, supposed to know? Also, hmm. like, wouldn't that make me like a 1099, like a contractor? I mean, that didn't right. make sense to me at all. So now I have the IRS at baby Amber, 18 and a half years old, breathing down my neck. Like, where is your, why haven't you filed taxes? And I'm like, my employer never gave me a W-2. And long story short, we had to do like this whole investigation. I ended up having to quit. I loved this salon. I loved working there, but they weren't being legit. They were paying me under the table and they weren't paying taxes on me. I was an employee of theirs. So they weren't paying employment taxes on me. So I ended up having to pay like thousands of dollars in back, you know, back taxes plus penalties. But I learned a very valuable lesson that you always have to be kind of aware of what's going on and be on the up and up and ask lots of questions. That's the key, I think, is asking a lot of questions. Because yeah. so for those of you who may be in like for people that may be in your shoes and starting to a career in hair and going to a salon, what is your advice on 1099 versus W-2s and salons that try and pass off the commission vibe, but they're 1099 salons? Right. So being a 1099 is completely different than being a commissioned employee of a salon. Typically, when you're a commissioned employee of a salon, you are basically paying your employer to, you know, like you're paying them a percentage, they're covering your taxes, your marketing, your products, your advertising, your lights, your bill, like they cover everything, everything. And, and they give you a percentage of your service total. So the way that I like to look at it is that you're actually giving them a percentage of your service total so that they can cover all of that. Yep. When you're a 1099, you are basically self-employed you're contracted by that company therefore you should be able to have keys you should be able to have access to the salon to the um, booking system they, to the booking system like all of that would kind of fall into a 1099 situation where you're not actually working for them you're working independently for yourself you just happen to be working under them as a salon so yeah like if you're a commission stylist and you go into a salon and they're not having you fill out federal income tax papers, you need to be asking questions because right. if you know going into it that you're a 1099, then you should be getting paid more in commission to cover those expenses. Like it should all kind of even out to a 45 to 55% ratio. Right. Whether that means that the salon takes 
40% and you take 60, that means that, you know, that 15% is going towards your taxes. Correct. And that also means that the salon should probably allow you to purchase your own color and or retail. Because otherwise you have no write-offs at the end of the year, but you're considered a, an, a business owner. So all of right. that money coming in looks as income because it is. So yep. there's no way the business is getting write-offs because they're buying your color and your product, but you don't have any write-offs. So at the end of the year, you have to pay that whole 20% back. <laughs> A lot of stylists yep. see that bigger paycheck every week or two weeks or however you get paid. And they think that that's the better option. Which really like you have to in all of the different, because I, I really have, aside from being a salon suite owner, I have done it all. Um, you really need to know your numbers. And this kind of circles back to having a, a grounding in business and knowing how business works and knowing, just like what you said, how taxes work. I think that we're not really, at least I wasn't taught all of that in beauty school. We didn't go over business stuff or to how to do your taxes or what what's a write-off and what's not a write-off. I think that all of that is very valuable information that can help us be more successful. So it kind of stinks, but I learned the hard way. And so I ended up having to quit that job and it was really sad. Um, and it was what it was. I mean, I couldn't keep working for them. You know, the IRS wouldn't let me. And uh, I just don't think it would have been ethical. Um, so I actually left there and I did go rent a chair at a local barber shop. And um, I only worked there for a short period of time and it was fine. And the guy that owned the salon was great. I didn't feel like I had a salon connection. Like I didn't feel like we were a team. And that's what I loved about that first commission salon that I worked at is the team aspect. Like that's so important to me. I know it's not important to everybody, but to me, I really need to like vibe off of other people. And so to go from this like traditional salon environment to this barber shop where everybody rents a chair and they kind of come and go and do what they want to do, it just wasn't really my thing. And so I actually left and decided that Oklahoma was not my jam. And I moved to Arizona. And so I what lived the in heck? Arizona. Yeah. Like talk about freaking culture shock. Yeah. Um, so I so I went from Oklahoma to Arizona and my first salon in Arizona was one of those commission salons, but they work off of like a tier structure. So like if you bring in, you know, a thousand dollars in a week, then you're at 45% commission. If you bring in $2,500 a week in service sales, you're at, you know, 55, like whatever. It, it was like a sliding scale based on your service totals. And, um, so I started working there. It was, it was an amazing salon an amazing experience. They made me a manager within a year so I actually opened up another location for them and I managed it and realized that I'm not a very good manager this is true interesting what, um, 
what like can you expound on that because I also manage a salon and sometimes I feel like I'm not a very good manager I am not very good at confrontation um I despise it I have a really really hard time like getting on to people that's just not my thing I'm much more better suited to be a cheerleader than I am to be like you are five minutes late and I'm gonna have to write you up like that is just not I don't feel comfortable with that so I think for me managing a salon was very difficult because it was hard for me to separate being their boss like that's just not I don't know like I just don't look at myself as being superior to anybody and having to make people be accountable to me like I want people to want to be accountable for themselves and sometimes people just aren't and that's okay but like it's not okay when you're the manager and you need people to be accountable so yeah I can totally relate to that and um, I do feel like I try and channel that cheerleader energy into realizing that it's probably actually you would have stuck it out would have realized that you probably actually were of what a really good manager you just have to put yourself in those confrontations and that's emotionally draining and if that's not what you want to do that's not what you want to do but you probably would have made a really good manager if you would have stuck it out but it's sometimes not worth the the emotional drain so what is really hard so how do Mm -hmm. you translate that into being a salon owner Oh, well, I mean, keep in mind that when I moved to Arizona, I was 21 years old and this was my first management position. And we've again, grown I'm since like, then. I'm in this position where I'm young and I'm naive and I don't know how to communicate really well with people. And even now, though, I mean, I get heart palpitations when I have to like ask other people to do things. It's very difficult for me to be like, I do, I would really like it if you would put a dryer sheet in with the towels because I don't like static. And I don't know why that is so hard for me to like, because I don't want anyone to feel like I'm mad at them. Right. But like, I don't like static. (laughs) So I really would like it if the dryer sheets were in the dryer. Like, please and thank you. Static. (laughs) will make your clients hair staticky, which is annoying. <laughs> it's actually kind of big deal. I mean, it's like little things. Like, it's like that, though. Like, I get very, yeah. you know, oh, my God, I have to have this conversation. And really, it's not even a conversation. It's like, hey, can you, do you mind, blah, blah, blah. And, Just remember, yeah. Yeah, and it's not that big of a deal, but I make it into way bigger of a deal then. But anyway, so I mean, yes, I have grown. I was 21 when I managed that salon in Arizona. And um, you know what? It didn't work out. It was what it was. It was a beautiful experience. And I'm super grateful that they even gave me that opportunity because, again, I took the lessons that I learned from that and I held on to them and I put them in my pouch and I just kept going to the next thing. And so the next salon that I went to work at was your basic traditional commission salon. Everyone in there was commissioned. It was an amazing salon. I worked there for almost nine years, actually. Like I probably would have worked there until I died if I wouldn't have moved. Where, where was that? Was that still in Arizona? 
Yep, that one was still in Arizona. It was um, it was in a suburb of Phoenix, so like kind of by Tempe, and uh, I loved that salon. It was a very tight knit, um, like family oriented salon. I got married and I had my two kiddos while I worked at that salon, and it was like that salon will always hold a piece of my heart because I grew so much as a human working there. Right. But I also learned that I like to stay in things well beyond their expiration date because mm. it's comfortable. That and translated to later on in life, right? Yeah. And, and change is really scary. And sometimes, you know, actually my cousin sent me a video link to Steve Harvey and I suggest everyone watch the video but it's steve harvey after one of his game show hosting gigs that he does and it was all about jumping like just jump just jump the parachute will open Hmm. like you have to take a chance and jump and that video i still like whenever i'm feeling doubtful of the decisions that i make i watch that video and i'm like you know what like i might fall i might fall and i might scrape my knees and I might get bloody but like I'll get back up and eventually the parachute's going to open and Mm -hmm. I'm going to take off and that's sort of what happened is that I just decided to believe that it would work and it did I mean there's a lot more to it than just believing that it's going to happen and it's going to happen I mean I put a lot of there's a lot of work behind it there's a lot of work behind it and I think that you know especially in today's society with social media where we all can make things look really easy because we only show the easy parts like we don't show the parts where we're up at three o'clock in the morning and we're throwing up and we're you know like crunching numbers or you know calling our grandparents to see if we can borrow money like we don't show that part of of how hard it is sometimes to just survive on this planet but Mm. if you believe you can make it happen. Well, that's, um, thank you for sharing that. And, um, we'll have to get that video so we can make a, do a link to the video. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was the transition? Tell us about the transition from, um, Arizona to Chicago and, um, your new jump. What, what were you (laughs) jumping into? (laughs) So, so yeah, I'm just all about taking leaps of faith. Um, I ended up getting a divorce from my kid's dad. And I was a single parent in Arizona um, with two kiddos. Uh, Lando, I think at the time was like two and Lily was maybe five. And I didn't really have any parental help. I didn't have like a very large friend circle. I mean, I had my supporters that had my back and got me through those couple of years. But When I was going through the divorce, I was really leaning on my best friend and he and I had been friends. We actually knew each other before I had met my ex-husband and he was my best friend. And so I was leaning on him a lot and he lived in Chicago and I'm like, you know what? You should be my boyfriend. And he said, I don't think so. And I'm like, come <laughs> on. you I don't have to go through the whole like, oh, by the way, I've got two small kids. How do you feel about being a baby daddy? He 
was just like, he's always been a part of my life and he's always been a part of the kid's life. And I'm like, this would be perfect. Also, <laughs> I like Chicago. Like you live far away, you know my kids, I don't have to go through the whole thing. You know, like we can make this work. And he was like, absolutely not. I am not going to date you. And so I, when I get an idea in my head that I am going to get something, I get it. Like one way or another, I figure out a way and I get it. And so I showered this boy with all my love. I sent him care packages. I called him all the time. <laughs> I'm a like stage five singer. Like I'm obsessed I love with you. you. And that is that. And so after stage five clinger, hundred <laughs> percent. And I mean, stage five clinger from eighteen hundred miles away. You know, like what's funny is all can. three of us right now are the same. We're all the same when it comes to that. <laughs> like if I love you, you're gonna know I love you. Period. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. out there, honey. It <laughs> is yep, so out there. Everybody yep. knows. So, I am manifesting everywhere I go. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yep. Sprinkle that all over the place. So it took about nine months of convincing that I would be an epic girlfriend of epic proportions. And he finally gave in and was like, I guess we can try this. And I was like, like freaking about time. I don't know what I was going to do. I was, was going to have to keep sending care packages and like, I don't even know. I didn't <laughs> even know what I was going to have to do, but it's going to have to. But I was going to keep doing it. I was going to keep doing it. So um, we, I actually brought the kids out here for Christmas in 2009. And That's a the good kids, time to go to Chicago. It, the kids fell in love with it. Like my, he's my husband now, by the way. <laughs> my, my Chicago boyfriend turned into my husband. Um, his mom made reindeer food that you sprinkle in the snow that was like oats and glitter so that Santa knew where to go and like all the oh things that was very like sentimental and romantic and it was magic. And so it was six months after that and I asked the kids like what would you guys think about moving to Chicago and they were both like heck to the yes wow heck yeah and so we I took that leap of faith and I was like I don't know if this is gonna work but like hopefully he knows that I'm not gonna move my kids 1800 miles away for a boyfriend like I need to know that this is something this is forever and if I'm moving. Sorry yeah. about it. You're stuck. Stuck. Stuck with me. I am like gum on a shoe. <laughs> if that's not a phrase, it should be. <laughs> it Well, it is now. Coin okay. it. Trademark. Coin it. Um, so I moved out here to just outside of Chicago and... It's so funny because throughout my whole career, the things that I thought that I really wanted, I ended up getting, and then I realized that they weren't really what I wanted. So case in point, when I moved from Oklahoma to Arizona, my goal in life was to work at Tony and Guy. Like I wanted to work at a Tony and Guy salon. That was like my vibe. That was my thing. I liked walking past and seeing everybody in all white and all black. And like, I loved that. 
do you know that to this day I have never worked in a large salon? Like I've never worked in a salon that was like a Tony and guy. Ever. I've always really? worked in a salon with like four four or five other people. I think eight tops. Wasn't the last I thought the last salon you worked in was pretty big. No, we had eight eight stylist chairs. Oh. Okay. Did it have yeah. did it have multiple locations? We have we had two locations. But okay. It, they were pretty like separated, but yeah. So I've never actually worked in like a big departmentalized salon before. Even though I was certain that that is where I was meant to be. And then I went and I got the job and then I started to think to myself, I can't wear all white. Like what if I get my period? I cannot drive <laughs> 45 minutes home and change clothes and come back to work and wear all white again. Like that doesn't make sense. You have to wear, huh? You couldn't wear black? No, it, at this particular location, it was you had to wear all white. Oh my gosh. What wow. if you that wasn't going to work for me? That wasn't going to no, work for me. <laughs> all white? It's no. the fashion for me. <laughs> well, so, so here's the deal. So, this was my first dip into a departmentalized salon. So what that means is like you go in and you either do color only or you do cutting only. And what so when I be? went in, I a cutter. Well, not All like right. a cutter, but yeah, yeah a, a cutting stylist. Yeah. And I cut this like perfect bob and they gave me a job like on this on the spot. They're like, yes, we want you. And I said, well, what if I want to do color? And they're like, well, you can't. And I said, well, what if I want to do color? cutting for like six months and then I decided I want to do color and they're like then you would have to try out for the color team and you would have to go through that whole six to nine month training process and I'm like so there's no way I can do both and they said no and I'm like and you want me to wear all white and they said yeah and I go I'm out <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't want to be into one box forever yeah, it just wasn't me I mean I think that it's amazing like people who specialize in cutting and coloring like right that's incredible that wasn't me like i'm i need variety i think i must have add or something i i can't do the same thing all the time i get bored mm -hmm. and so that it didn't work for me so i did not take that job that's when i actually took the management job at the other salon Okay. And then I worked at the salon that I love that I raised my babies in. And then we moved to Illinois. And again, I'm looking at all of the salons in the area and I find the salon that is like the coolest, most hip salon in all of the land. And I am like, <laughs> I will work there. That will be my place. And what was really interesting about it is that it was a commission salon. However, you could buy into the company. So basically like you could buy shares into the company and eventually over time, if you worked there long enough, you would have acquired enough shares that you would be, you would have ownership of the salon. Whoa, that's wild. Right? Like I've never heard of that before. And I'm quite frankly, I don't really know how that works. Long story short, they're no longer in business. I don't know what happened. Oh. <laughs> I think it was a really cool, innovative idea. And I that's think a really awesome properly. Idea. Yeah. Yeah. I think if done properly, I think it could be, I think it could be something, but at the time, yeah, that was, 
not my place so, either. Okay, well, I, I want to hear more, but I do have a question about that process. But I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm just putting that question in my mind, and I'm going to ask later. Put it in the cloud. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, because I quit that job. I was there for like literally 30 days, and I said, "This is not." <laughs> like they it, they were they did the um oh, what is that called you know the salons like i know redkin does it like a summit salon summit yeah so i think that they i don't know if it was summit that they were but it was like something like that where you had all these sheets that you had to fill out every day of like everything's a number you, everything's a number and Again, I think that that's awesome. Like you should know your service to retail ratio. Like you should know right. the percentage that you're selling. I feel like a lot of times that, well, it all of the time, Summit is focused on guest count as a way to grow your business when that's not the most important thing. So if it's done properly, numbers are great, but you're you're focusing on the wrong thing. Thinking, well, I mean, like, not the more people in your chair. Yes and no. I feel like there are some hairstylists that, like, thrive off of that kind of structure. And, yeah. like, knowing that they need to, like, hit a certain amount. Like, there are pe- there are hairstylists, and, and that's what works for them. And I think that that's amazing. I think that I came from a more fluid background where I... I knew my numbers, but that wasn't as important to me. Like my numbers weren't as important to me as my connections with my guests. Right. They go hand in hand. So it was kind of like where I wanted to focus my energy was not necessarily on my numbers, on how many guests I could get in the door or how many extra services I could sell to a a guest or how many extra products I could sell like that all kind of comes back to me being unapologetically authentic is that that's not me like I can't talk someone into getting a treatment for their hair that I don't feel like they need I can't Mm -hmm. talk someone into buying a retail product just because I need to make the sale like right if they don't need it they shouldn't have to buy it well, it got to the point where it was kind of icky and it was like, you aren't meeting your numbers. And I would have to like, tell my guests, like, can I do a blowout on you? Because I'm not hitting my numbers. And like, oh. I don't know what, you know, you like said- I'm getting, I'm getting in trouble. And of course my guests were like, well, hell yeah, you can do a blowout on me. And I'm like, okay, but that's just not how I want to do my business. No. Right. So um, you said that that was short-lived, that salon. Um, I'm going to ask the question later. But what was the next salon that you were then went to? So that was my first salon in Illinois. I worked there for 30 days. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I actually found a salon, a brand new. This was a really cool concept, too. I've worked at a lot of really cool concept places that, like, they just were missing, like, one more ingredient and it would have been incredible mm-hmm. but I worked at a salon that in a weird way was departmentalized but it was like they had a hair room and then they had a massage room and then they had a nail room and they had 
an aesthetics room and they had and they had a spray tan room and it was like this beautiful building beautifully decorated all of the finest in you know finest products and each room catered to a specific beauty industry service or need so That's i worked cool. there actually it was really cool so I worked there for a little over a year and then, um, and I mean, I, we were killing it. Like I had a write-up done about me in the Lake County, like newspaper about, you know, like bringing my mastery skills to the suburbs and blah, blah, blah. That's and, right. <laughs> and, um, and then the owner was like, so I'm going to actually have to lower your commission. What? You got me so fucked up. I'm like, wait, what? Lower? No, no. Like, I've worked here for you for a year. Like, we're talking a raise, right? And she said, no, I actually, I need to lower your commission or you're going to have to start paying a product charge. And I'm you like, were, you were that making sounds much like money. a you problem. Yeah, that sounds like a you problem. That doesn't uh-huh. sound like a me problem. That sounds like you didn't figure out your business structure because this hair is what's making you the most amount of money. And now you want to penalize me for making you money because now you want to make more money? Greedy. Mm-hmm. And so that like, it kind of, that one was kind of hit hard you know I'm like it's like a slap in the face kind of like I've worked really really hard for you I've helped you build this business we're thriving we're doing amazing and now you want to basically demote me Mm -hmm. that's not how you reward I bet they were real butthurt when you left huh well so she actually started the owner of that salon started when my clients would call to book appointments with me she would tell them that I was booked and she booked them with a junior stylist that was making <laughs> lower commission. When I left there, she would not let me take my color formula book. You know, like I had everything written. Right. And she said that they were her property. And I'm like, my formulas aren't your property. And she's like, you have my client information. I'm like, I have client names. I have no other information. I don't have phone numbers. I don't have addresses. I'm not taking your clients. I'm taking my formulations. And she threw a huge fit. And I was like, fine. Good luck. Because Mm -hmm. your junior stylist can have my clients that I've built over the last year. They can have my color formula. But you know what? They will never be me. Period. So, good luck. Guess what? Mm -hmm. She closed six months later. Mm. Karma, man. Greed. Also, I worked in I think that's not the saving, but still. Yeah, so I worked there, and that was, yeah. And then I found a really great salon that, again, was sort of like that salon in Arizona where I raised my babies. They were very family focused. They gave, it was commission salon, but they gave a week paid vacation. They gave like 
you could get other services done for free. I mean, it was a really amazing salon and the owner there was incredible and she is doing everything the right way. She she has structure in place. She is a very smart business person and she's compassionate and I think but number one like she draws in people who are who are like family focused. Mm-hmm. So she she just celebrated 25 years in business cuz she knows what's up. Exactly. So leaving there leaving there was really really hard but again it was a commission salon and I got I worked there for 5 years and I realized that I had stopped growing. Mm-hmm. And there was no way that I could like I had I had peaked. Mm-hmm. There was nowhere to go. I mm-hmm. was already getting 50% commission and I was the highest tier on retail sales. Like the only way that I could grow is by raising my prices. But the raise in price wasn't justified in my mind to like I I needed more control of my own life. Right. And that was really hard to say goodbye to them because it was nothing personal. Like that was probably one of the only salons where I'm like, this is not a personal thing. This is a business thing. And mm-hmm. I I have to, if, if I'm going to do this, I have to try and do this. And so that's when I stepped out and I rented a chair at another salon in town. And that was really scary because I had this like, supportive amazing salon that you know I grew in and it was just it was hard to say goodbye and it was scary to like take that leap of like what if nobody follows me Mm. again trusting the parachute Mm -hmm. like what do you do and I would spend like nights like oh three four o'clock in the morning I would wake up and I would get my notebook and I would just like crunch numbers and I would be like okay this is what my monthly bills are this is what I have to make in order to survive you know this is my bottom line how am I going to do that how many clients do I need to follow me who do I think would follow me um you know I I was ethical with her I actually I didn't give anybody my information yeah and 98% of my clients followed me hell yeah they found me on LinkedIn. They found me on Facebook. They found me on Google. Like I made sure to put myself out there to make it as easy as I possibly could for people to find me. And they did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we live in a small community and and a lot of my clients are like little groupings of, of guests. And so it's like one person finds out where I went and then they would tell their friends and maybe one of their friends was a friend of this other circle of friends. And so, you know, it within, it was really interesting because when I went to the salon I worked at before where I am now, they were uh, strictly a commission salon and they were just opening. And I, I walked in and I said, this is a beautiful salon and I have to work here, but I want to rent a chair. And she said, well, we're a commission salon. And I said, well, I understand that, but But I I want to work here. 
but but I see that you're carrying Kuhn and I'll have you know that I've worked with Kuhn for the last six years and I could be an asset to your team and I want to work here but I want to rent a chair and she said oh, let me talk to my partner and I said okie dokie and then she called me later and she was like yeah we will go ahead and you'll be our only renter in a salon of commission stylist and I'm like perfect I get a team I get that salon you know environment that I thrive in and you carry my favorite color line and I can totally be an asset and perfect and so they, they came back with numbers and they're like we're gonna do give you two options you can pay this really high amount of rent but everything will be included all of your back bar all of your like retail, your color, the towels, the laundry, the assistant, the receptionist, the booking software, or you can pay this lower amount and you have to cover everything yourself. And I'm like, uh, I'm going to take that other deal. The one that's like, you pay a little bit more, but you get everything included. Cause that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable that I have like a set number that I have to come up with every month. You don't have to worry about how much product you use for the week. And that's nice to both worlds. Yeah, there was no fluctuation. So I didn't have to worry about like, I just had to worry about coming up with that round number. Right. It's your dream come true. Crunching all your numbers. I don't think that this is like, I've worked in some really innovative salons. Like, I don't think that's really a thing. Right. Yeah, and it was great. And I, you know, and so they tell me this number and I, I run my numbers of my own, like just what they tell you, right? Like for every mile that you move, you're going to lose 20% of your clients and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like doing all of crunching all the numbers. And I'm like, okay, I need 50% of my clients to follow me for me to be able to pay my bills and pay my rent. I need 50% at this number. And so I wrote back and I was like, I think this is amazing and it's a very generous offer. I don't know if I financially can afford that right now. Would you be willing to do a slightly lower number for 60 days or 90 days just until I can see that I'm getting clientele in, let me build a little, and then I'll gladly go up to the initial price that you quoted me at. And she's like, yeah, sure. Within one month, I was like, oh my God, I have never made so much freaking money in my whole life. Why didn't I do this sooner? That's so exciting. So within that first month, I had, you know, all of my my books filled for that month and then into the next month. And I was like, I will pay what you initially asked. So really just that first month was the only month that I, that I paid a lesser fee. And then I, I gladly paid. And then I also knew I kind of felt like going from where I was to where I was. um, (laughs) I'm like, I, I never wanted them to feel taken advantage of. So if there was anything that I could provide for myself to, 
to take the burden off of my expenses on them, I did. So like I bought all my own processing caps. I bought all my own vivid colors. I bought all my own, you know, like any extra thing that I needed to perform my service. Like I would, I would buy that myself. Right. And, um, in doing so in, in being able to be given the opportunity to rent, it opened up flexibility in my schedule and they actually helped me with their KLC points go to Atlanta, to the CUNE Academy in Atlanta and get my color certification, which is where I met Hunter. Yeah. And Hunter is the reason why I'm an educator today. Aww. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, I, I mean, I thought that she was an educator. I remember we when we were going to the class, Sam and I had talked to Jamie Kaufman and we were like uh, she's she told us that there was one other educator that's going to be there and we were looking around the room the first day trying to like suss out the <laughs> the other educator and both of us were like it's for sure her and it was Amber because <laughs> let me let me paint a picture Amber had this the most glorious hair in the room honestly like painted to perfection the beautiful beach waves makeup was like amber is like beautiful as it is but she just accentuated every single part that should have been accentuated she looked pristine at this academy and she knew all the answers to all the questions and so we were like it's for sure her so we went up to her and we were like so you're the other educator right and she goes uh no and i was like well you should be here's how you apply and then, I, and then I said hey she needs to be an educator and guess what she is and she made premier beauty supplies educator of the month this month so awesome I wanted to focus a lot on you building your clientele and also what it's like to be a salon owner I also wanted to talk about what it looked like to start from the bottom like opening your new salon and then also from a new stylist perspective what it's like to approach a salon like like do you your email like that whole process of like approaching a salon of how of like how i got into each salon that i got into yeah yeah and then also what it looks like um technically to build up a clientele in a new new place where you don't have connections so basically I worked at that salon that I booth rented for five years and it was amazing. And it gave me all of the tools I needed, you know, I had been collecting over all of the years that I put in my little pouch and I finally felt like I was ready to have my own space. And I found a place and I applied for an SBA loan and that was really scary, but they approved me, which I thought was also really scary. <laughs> and then I got approved for salon equipment. And I'm like, oh my God, this is really happening. But I made sure that the route that I took was still within my budget. Right. So I could still solely afford on my own income, the overhead of this new space. Right. So in August of last year, I opened my own salon called Indigo and Ash. Ooh. And yes. 
and I decided that it would be a transitional salon. I loved the concept of the salon that I had worked at previously, allowing me the opportunity to pay a flat fee and have everything included. I felt like that was such a great experience for somebody who was new to renting. And I wanted to be able to mentor people and allow them the opportunities to create their own businesses. So although we have Indigo and Ash, it's a salon collective of individual hair hairstylists that have their own business. So we all, all three of us that, that work in the salon run our own businesses under Indigo and Ash. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So well, you're all, yeah. So you've had a lot of experiences in a lot of different salons and a lot of different towns. You said you coined yourself the professional new kid. What, what does it, what is it like to build a clientele as a new kid, especially when you're starting from ground zero? I would say, I mean, it can be scary because you can be sitting at your salon chair for days without, you know, maybe one or two clients and you're kind of getting the table scraps of the overflow of guests that other people who are more established can't take on. But I think building a relationship with the other stylist in the salon and instead of just sitting there, make yourself an asset to them and make yourself known to their clients so that if there's a situation where Maybe so-and-so can't get in with the regular client or the, with the regular stylist. They feel comfortable coming to you because you're a familiar face at the salon. Right. And, mm-hmm. and when you kind of set yourself up for that, maybe that client just comes to you that one time because they couldn't get in with a regular, but then they send you their sister. Yeah. Because they know that you're, they know that you're building and, and then that sister sends you someone. And I think that, You should always want to, like, if you're going to be in a situation where you're in a salon and you're not just jumping right into booth rent, but you're in a salon and you want to build a clientele, make yourself an asset to the salon. Yes. Because then the salon will feed into you. Absolutely. You feed the salon, the salon feeds you. Yeah. You know, be that person to like, Oh, you ran out of lightener. Let me go mix you some more. Mm-hmm. Oh, you need a gloss. Let me go get that for you. Oh, you need your hair swept. I'll sweep that for you. Absolutely. Like, don't ever think that you're above like helping out your teammate. Mm-hmm. 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 So that would be, that would be step number one. I think number two would be really getting into your community. Like I have got clients from the grocery store, like that work at the grocery store. I have clients from the coffee shop. I have clients from the local boutique because I go in there and I support them and they support me. And so like even my grocery store guys that come to me, they send me people. Yeah. So don't think like it's silly to strike up a conversation with a guy in the wine aisle and be like, Hey, I really like your haircut. Where are you going? And then, you know, 
oh, well, if you ever, if they're not available one day, like I'd love to do your hair for you. Did you know that I offer a $20 off your first service? Mm-hmm. Hit them with the $20 off. They love it. And then they're like, oh, okay, well, like I could come to you that one time and get a deal. But then like once they come to you. You offer that experience. Right. They keep mm-hmm. coming back. It's over. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I know we go, whenever we go out and I have a little bit of alcohol in my system, cause you know, liquid courage and all, um, I just tend to like walk off. I wander off from the group <laughs> and I go and market myself. And I took to a couple years ago, I would grab people's phone or like if I was talking to them, not like, let me just have your phone. I was like, Hey, yeah, let me put my number in your phone and we'll stay connected after I was talking about the fact that I did hair and I put my name in their phone as hairdresser. I didn't put oh, my sorry. name. I put hairdresser. So whenever they like swipe down to search and typed in hairdresser, they'd be like, wait, who's this hairdresser's phone number I have? And then they would call me. So <laughs> smart. <That's funny. laughs> mm-hmm. Sneaky hunter. Girl, I will do anything and everything to get you in my chair. <laughs> I love people. But I'm sorry. Go on. Go on, Amber. How, what, uh, getting involved in your community is like yeah, your step getting, number two. Yep. Getting involved in your community. I mean, being authentically involved. Like, you know, I, I don't just like go into the coffee shop and say, hey, can I leave some cards here? Like, like I go to the coffee shop regularly and get coffee regularly and build a relationship with people and then I say oh hey I opened a salon across the street like I would love to have you come over and hang out sometime like you don't have to get your hair cut but just come kick it and yeah I think, we got couches coffee I come think on. That, yeah like I think that people just genuinely want to feel a connection and if you're being true then it's like, you can come to me or not come to me. Like, it's not going to hurt my feelings, but I think you're cool. We should hang out. Come hang out at my salon. Mm-hmm. Because I am so, there all the time. So if you <laughs> if you want to be my friend, you got to come there. <laughs> so I know that all sounds like, okay, like really basic. You know, like, okay, help out at the salon. All right. Okay. Make friends with the barista. Okay. But really it is when you are forming those relationships with people, they're more inclined to give you new guests that are going to be loyal to you and not just like randos that walk in off the street. Like I've never had a good experience with a random that walked in off the street. Mm-mm. My whole business has been built on forming a connection with people. And then they're like, oh, Amber's cool. You should go hang out with her and then they send their kids or they send their husband or they send their partner or whatever and you know I think just being I think we lost her uh oh did her phone die I just see her beautiful face floating in a screen but it's not moving Oh no, what happened? Oh no. Amber. Wait, am oh, I she's back? back? She's back. She's back. 
We should Sorry, have a moment, moment of silence. Cut that out. And go. So I just think being authentic, you know, I keep saying authentic, but it really truly is like making a true connection with people brings you more people who are, who are like you. You know, I think a lot of times we make it way too hard on ourselves and it really is that simple as just to be yourself and attract what you are and that's going to be your ideal clientele. Mm-hmm. I think and that, it's okay to not be, and it's okay to not be busy. Like it's okay. Yeah. Find but ways if you're not to busy, be... find ways to be busy. Yeah. Cause I've gotten clients from like this, not in my current salon, but a salon that I worked in before from the owner because she saw me like walking around getting people's towels, pulling their color bowls if they were done or handing them foils. They were like, that boy knows how to work. And I want to go see him. Whenever you're not doing hair anymore, I want to go see him. And guess what? She stopped doing hair. Mm. And they, she came to see me. So I, everything you said, I was like, wow, she really speaking truth right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I mean, it really is simple. It's it's a simple, it's a simple way to show people who you are. Because even though you may think that nobody's watching, they're always watching. Everyone's so, always watching. I mean, they really are. So, like, I am definitely not too good to clean toilets and take out trash. Like, yes, it is my salon. I first and foremost will do the dirty work. Like. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with that. I feel like you got to clean toilets to get to the top. Like, that's just the way it is. You got to clean toilets in order to not clean toilets one day. You got to do the work that no one's willing to do. Well, and also realize that you can always clean toilets, even if you're at the top. Exactly. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. It's never below anyone to do that. Um, So I'm... As I listen to Amber, I hear like this really amazing cycle of like, you see what your needs are and you advocate for those needs and you push forward to make it happen. And um, it seems like you've done that throughout your career in a really graceful way. And um, I would say, I would just getting back to what Hunter asked about if you're new walking into a salon and Um, building up a clientele from ground zero what is that like to advocate for your needs in a graceful way like when you see a salon that you want to walk work at how do you approach them and be like I want to be in your salon and I want to have a booth rental how how is that um give us some tips on how you've done that how you've gotten (laughs) the courage to just go in there and say hey I'm going to work here Okay, so remember that very first salon I worked at in Tulsa when I assisted? Mm-hmm. And I was so scared. I was so scared. And the owner was like, you just have to know how to part hair. You just have to know how to hold the hair. If you know how to hold the hair, you can fake it till you make it. But if you, if you, if they think that you know what you're doing, no one's going to question you. So I have lived with that advice my entire life. Like nobody knows except for me what I'm capable of or 
not capable of or what I know and what I don't know. I'm the only one. So I genuinely have faked it like the majority (laughs) of my life. But from that being said, it's interesting because when I became an educator, one of the tidbits that I heard from someone was like, check out that salon's Instagram or check out their social media, see what they're about. And then you can kind of get a vibe off of like who they are and, and sort of tailor yourself into that salon. So I think if you're a new stylist and you're looking for a salon to work at, I would start there. Like check out social media, see which salon you feel like you would be an asset to. And then from there, I would reach out either by email or I, as a salon owner now, cannot stand people walking in and asking me stuff because I am with clients and I feel like that's disruptive to the person who's sitting in my chair. I would much rather you email me or Mm -hmm. send me a message on Instagram and say, hey, your salon is super cool. I like your vibe. I would love to work with you. Um, The salon that I worked at before opening my salon, I just emailed them and I was like, hey, I was walking downtown and I saw your salon and it is amazing and I would love to set up time just to come talk to you. And so they were like, cool, we're doing interviews, come in, we'll talk. And then that's when I sort of was like, this is amazing. Let me see the place. And I was like, oh, you carry this line. Oh, you carry that color. Oh, you do that. Well, let me just tell you, I have been working with these products for X amount of years and I could be an asset to you. So even if you're a brand new stylist, you can still be an asset. You still have so much to offer. It's just knowing where, like get in where you fit in. So find a salon that like fits your vibe and, and don't be afraid to ask for what you need. Like I'm, I feel like I was really good at doing balayage in school, but I'm not so good at doing gray coverage. And it looks like your clientele does a lot of balayage, but I see that you have a couple of stylists that, that tend to do a more mature clientele. Is there any way that I can learn from them too? And I feel like as a salon owner, somebody coming into me and saying, I want to work for you and I don't know it all. Can you help me? Uh, you're hired. We're on the yeah. spot. <laughs> Someone who like, has wanting to grow and help you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, oh, so you don't think you know it all? Heck yes. You can come here. I will show you everything that I know how to do. Yeah. We can learn from each other. Absolutely. And that's the thing too, is like always being that seventh grader, learning from the eighth grader and teaching the sixth grader. Always be the seventh grader. (laughs) Always be the seventh grader. Yeah. That is so profound, Hunter. Always be the seventh grader. Yeah, girl. You got to learn from the ones above you and teach the ones below you. Not that anyone's below anyone. That was a way that was bad. (laughs) Teach the younger ones. Yeah. Teach the babies that are coming up that are like, you know, they may have, I mean, I can tell you right now, the stuff that these kids are learning in school, like far surpasses their techniques are hands down, probably better than mine. And I learn a lot from the younger generation of hairstylists because well and did you know that in hair school now well at least at the paul mitchell schools here they teach social media see That's like awesome. what i had to figure that stuff out on my own i'm like an old person yeah like two years in i had to figure it out 
So, okay, you talked about how to like gain the confidence to go into the salon, but once you find the salon as a new stylist, we've talked a lot about numbers, but like what numbers do you recommend focusing on when you're growing your clientele? I mean, so to be honest, a salon is not making money off of you. If you're going into a commission salon, they're really not making money off of you. They're making whatever commission they're, they're paying the bills you with you is covering their overhead. So get it out of your head that you deserve anything more than 50% commission. Absolutely. I think that 50% really is the max. I've never expected any commission salon owner to pay me more than that. If I feel like I need a raise, I raise my prices or I, I find new services to add to my service menu. Maybe just doing color and cuts wasn't enough. Now I have taken it upon myself to learn hair extensions and I've added that to my service list or Brazilian blow up, like whatever it is, there's always ways for you to make more money and still offer, you know, like, and still be ethical about it. Right. You so, don't have to just sell, 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 or even price yourself out of a market right i think think knowing that yeah knowing your market too (laughs) for sure yeah so i think like that is a very great step is like i actually had somebody come to me recently and they were they're in a commission salon and they were thinking about going to um like a salon suite and i said well first you need to run your numbers and i said are you unhappy are you unhappy at your salon And they Mm -hmm. said, no. And I go, then why do you want to leave? And they said, because I'm not making as much money as I want. And I said, what services are you offering? And they said, cutting. And I said, well, if you added color to your service menu, that would triple your income. Yeah. Period. So why are you leaving? (laughs) If you're happy. Right. So I really think it's like taking a step back and like what is important to you and go with what's important to you. So if making money is what's important to you, then learn how to hustle. Mm-hmm. Then maybe you're the the perfect person to like sell a butt ton of retail and upsell your clients for masks and conditioning treatments and, you know, blowouts and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so fi- like find out what moves you like I you're either money driven or you're happiness driven like I'm 100% happiness driven as long as I can pay my bills and I'm not living in a box I'm good Mm -hmm. so as long as I'm happy Mm -hmm. I'm good yeah I do like money though (laughs) that's me (laughs) there ain't been a, a day I've ever been mad at my money so I think all the baby stylists should just, you know, like you all are incredible. You are incredibly gifted, incredibly talented. You guys have the world at your fingertips. You just have to believe in yourselves and know that like you will find your place, but you have Absolutely. to work hard for it. Yes. And the only <laughs> place that success comes before work is in the dictionary. <laughs> True. I love that. Thanks. Uh, Pinterest gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> but on a, do you have it like on a little 
like plaque and is it hanging with cute font in your house oh no i'm not a live laugh love gal i don't I, we don't hang <laughs> ho- quotes in this house honey <laughs> there may be mickey ears on my wall <laughs> but there are, there no, are no quotes <laughs> um <laughs> no uh my every month we have a like a monthly meeting with the salon as well as like one-on-one appointments with our owners and at the beginning of every meeting we all share a quote and that quote was uh my owner's quote that week so it's a good one it, it is a good one and i've like it's ingrained in there now you got to work hard for what you want for sure so i think that we have hit all of our topics am i correct anna Yes. Is there any mm-hmm. other, you had some questions that you like bookmarked in your head. Did you want to recap oh, no. we got them. and end with those? We got them out. Yep. We got them out? Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. I feel like Amber, I could talk to you forever and listen to you talk forever. I do have a lot more questions, but we'll either have to um, schedule like a personal call or um, do a second episode. <laughs> I think we should do a second episode for sure. Yeah. Um, so we are gonna close with a hair myth and I do have a myth for you guys and um, I love this one and I don't think we've done it on the show if we have everyone you're gonna have to tell me but all right the myth is cold water cold water rinse makes hair shinier true or false false I'm gonna actually disagree Mm. Oh, that's the first time we've had a disagreement. Okay. Um. So, Amber, what are your okay. thoughts? So you're in the shower. It's nice and hot. You've got your conditioner on, your mask on, your treatment. You are living life. You're shaving your legs, whatever. That conditioner is doing its thing. You rinse with cool water. When you have your hair hot... It slightly swells the cuticle of the hair. You have your conditioner on and you rinse it with cold water. You are going to trap ever so slightly a little bit more of that conditioner in. And I do believe that it would make your hair a little bit shinier. Okay. I see your point. Hmm. That is a very valid point. I think I changed my mind. Okay. Well, (laughs) you guys, this is what the article says. It's from Uh AAP.org. The truth is... (laughs) Ice water will certainly wake you up, but it won't close your cuticle or pores for that matter. So they lay flat. Each hair has a cuticle. Coating com- um, has, and those that cuticle is made up of single overlaying cells. The theory right. that chilly water makes hair lie flat is bunk. So, huh. yeah. Only color changes the cuticle by swelling them. So actually temperature doesn't cause the cuticle to swell. Um, A warm shampoo or steamy hot followed by a warm to cool water rinse can minimize cuticle frizz because I guess it's not drying it out. Okay. Opt for a good shine boosting leave-in conditioner or styling product and occasionally going in for a glossing treatment at the salon could keep the color treated hair a little bit more light reflective so they're saying that cold water like because it's ammonia that swells the cuticle it's not heat right 
That is true, but we've always also been taught that heat swells and cold shrinks. Right. Huh. But you know what? Jessica Mills always says the cuticle is not like a door. It can't mm-hmm. be opened and shut. So it wouldn't make Very a difference true. if it was hot or no. cold. But obviously using your conditioners to fill in that those like the gaps in the cuticle right. will with the shine. But um, yeah, no, ice water does not make your hair shiny. It does. There not. you go. Mm-hmm. So no ice baths for you. You I mean, heard it here, I folks. I don't ever rinse my hair in cold water either. So I don't, I don't either. either. <laughs> Uh-uh. No, no. <laughs> I'd much, I, listen, it's the happiness over discomfort, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that's all we have for this week. And uh, it was quite a bit. So if you made it to this point in the episode, thanks. Um, if you're listening on your favorite podcasting app, as always, you know, we always begging for reviews, but those reviews actually do help get us to the trending pages in our specific categories. And there's not a lot of hairdresser podcasts out there, y'all. So I don't think it would be that hard to hit the trending page. So give us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, as we always do, we have a word of the week to comment on our YouTube channel. So even if you are listening on your favorite podcasting app, make sure to go over to our YouTube channel and comment. Amber, give us a word of the week. Delightful. Comment delightful on our YouTube channel. If you'd like to follow us all on our social media journeys, I am at Hair X Hunter on all of the things. Our podcast Instagram is at Break Room Banter Pod and Anna's Instagram is at Anna.shr8 hair. And Amber, hit us with your Instagram handle. My Instagram is Amber Wishheart Hair or Indigo and Ash Co. You heard it here, folks. All of these links will be down below. And thanks for listening to another episode of Break Room Banter. Until next time. Bye. Bye.